1: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Shape of Work podcast. In this episode, today we have with us Advitya Tiwari, who is Human Resources Business Partner at Yash Technologies. Hi, Advitya Thank you for coming and joining us today. How are you?
0: Thanks, Riddhi. Thanks so much for the invite and great to be here on this platform with you for this podcast. How are you doing?
1: I'm great, Advitya and it's a pleasure having you here. So, just to set some context about you and what you do, can you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and your career journey till now?
0: Sure. sure. So, um, I am an engineering graduate. I did my IT, uh, engineering in IT in 2012. I worked one year in the middle and in the mean meanwhile, I made up my mind to do an MBA. Right. And... And I decided to do an MBA, I think it was a very clear choice I wanted to get into in HR. Yeah. The reason for that, in my my graduate days, I used to be a placement coordinator and you get to interact with several HR leaders and placement uh, managers themselves in your role. When you meet them, you get to understand about the function and you used to understand the intricacies of HR and what it all involves to be in a human resource role. So when I decided to do MBA, HR was a very clear choice for me. So when you have decided for HR, XLRI happens to be the right institute for yourself. Right, mm-hmm. and I was very lucky. I was able to back XLRI. I completed the two-year course. Uh, my first, my first offer was with a media giant. I spent almost. Uh, this was Star TV, and I joined in a very very interesting phase of growth of an organization where digital was just catching up in India. Yeah. The company had also started up, started up on both broadcasting and other features. So, a very interesting time to be in. My next role was with a uh, with a HR startup where I spent a year and a half, learned a whole lot of things, right from uh, recruitment, senior executive recruitments, team management, and various other functions. Mm-hmm. Uh, after that, I moved on and took a slight bit of a uh, not a career switch. But I moved to a political consulting organization where I spent, again, about nine months. Mm -hmm. This was, again, purely in a talent acquisition role, but also helping out on HR projects, which leads to my current journey, my current organization. I'm currently with Yesh Technologies based in Indore. I'm an HR Mm -hmm. business partner. I support a business group of about 1,300 people.
1: Wow, that's great. I'm
0: based in Indore. I have a a young daughter of one and um, Mm -hmm. spend my time... um, reading a book a bit of quizzing a bit of sports whenever you get time and i think so so one of the things that i really appreciate about uh, having had one of the things i really enjoy about being in nature is you have that real flexibility to uh, really divide your time between family and family and work yeah because one of the reasons that really decided me helped me to take make that decision where i have time to pursue my hobbies and also focus on work so yes that's about me
1: Definitely. I must say it's a great journey so far. And of course, uh, you know, plethora of experience in each and every domain of Indeed. HR. So definitely we'll get a lot of uh, insights for our listeners today. So so as you mentioned, uh, you are working as a human resource business partner and an expert and people and culture management so i just want to ask you like how has the role evolved over the years and what do you think of the future growth of this role as a profession so what will what is your insight on this
0: right right so first of all uh, i would not consider myself to be a people expert or an expert on people and culture there's still a long way to go for that Uh, but yes good amount of time uh, in in my current role and uh, in HR profession, you get to meet, uh, to get to be on this side where you get to decide on policies, you get to help making the culture, you get to uh, interact with employees a, more, a lot more often, right? If you talk about how the role has evolved, right, uh, I'll probably speak about how I see the role evolve in my last eight years of my career, right? Mm-hmm. And I think the uh, This HR function role or people partner role really depends on organization to organization. right? And all, that also depends on how much of a say you have in an HR partner with the leadership. right? And that say really comes in when you are able to bring in a lot of thought process, a lot of insights, you have an understanding of the business, you have an understanding of the stakeholders. Right. Yeah. And you bring out insights about how do you improve the efficiency or how do you improve the uh, business altogether, right? That's when you really get a seat on the deciding table, right? And there are organizations where you, where still you work in the old way, where you execute whatever the management tells you. Yeah. Right? But there are organizations where you are you know, working, step in with the leadership, with the management, with the CXOs, where you have a seat at the table. Yeah. And the reason for that, again, you have to bring in, a lot of thought process, you have to be uh, bringing your own insights into this decisions, right? And I can, I remember, I can highlight probably some cases where you have to, once you develop that level of understanding with a particular leader, they will look at you sometimes to, as a second opinion, uh, for a second opinion, whenever they are decisions, right? They'll want your opinion, they'll want your insight, right? They'll want to see, want to see what do you think about how to execute a certain process. Yeah. Right. So similarly, when you have a uh, of smaller business units, right, then expect the HR part in front of the leadership, right. When and and they usually it's it's they assume that since you are an HR partner, you will be helping them understand and has been made, right. They consider you the eyes and the ears of leadership. Mm-hmm. They consider you a part of the decision making process, mm-hmm. right. They have to. You are the people. Or an HR partner is the person who will be bringing latest policies into process, uh, latest policies into execution. Yeah. Uh, you know, you're an executor of change, right? Mm-hmm. And an executor of change, you have to have again the current environment. It is a very data-based environment which is coming in, right? Mm-hmm. So whatever decisions are being made, you have to bring in those insights. You have to bring those bring in those data-based suggestions, right? What are the cost impact? What is the ROI of a particular decision that we need to make? Whether it be benefit policies, whether it be return to work with a lot of power, a lot of companies are planning these days, right? That's where you as an HR partner, you as an HR leader have to sort of uh, help the business in making that decision. Sometimes you have to take a lead, right? Sometimes you have to just suggest this is the way you go, right? And let the business follow, uh, let the business come to an agreement into what you're suggesting, right? So uh, the way I've seen seen it... uh, you HR function has really evolved as a, or, you know, as a function which used to sort of tail the management or tail the leadership to a function which is now uh, in step with the leadership decision making, and sometimes you are helping out leadership in a certain way, right? So that's how. And as I said, it really depends on people to people, organization to organization, how much of a buy-in you have in the decisions, and by that buy-in, as I said again. Comes in when you bring in a certain understanding of the business. You may not bring in a certain understanding of the stakeholders. And that's how it's really important.
1: Definitely, of course, as you mentioned today, it's all about uh, shaping workplace culture and driving employee engagement. So definitely, uh, very well said, and of course, exciting time ahead for people and culture management now. And as you mentioned about the future of uh, HRBP definitely I see it becoming even more integral as business focused on data-driven approach or said diversity and digital transformation so everything is coming into play Uh, so as we have mentioned about the diversity and uh, inclusion so let's discuss about the workplace culture what organization are nowadays uh, looking for. So in your experience what do you think what are the key factors that contribute to a positive workplace culture what do you think?
0: So the so key factors uh, that I could suggest that contribute to a good workplace a positive workplace. Point one practice what you preach right? Having open and transparent policies is something that's really, really critical. As a leader, if there are certain principles that you always say uh, in in your speech, those principles also have to guide your decisions. Right? If you're saying you're an employee-centric company, your policies have to be employee-centric. Right? They have to keep employee in focus. That is really, really key. People. Lose the trust when the company's policies divert from what they were originally intended to. Mm-hmm. I think that's really important. Next, which is, which is again, an old principle which I always suggest to people, recognize before a larger team, a larger audience, and criticize or give uh, feedback in private. Nobody likes when they're scolded or nobody likes when they uh, their, their, their shortcomings are pointed out before a larger group. Always do that in private, but recognition whenever somebody has done something good, whenever somebody has been recognized, always has to be done in, in public, whether it be through an email, whether it be through in person, before team conversation, let's always recognize. People appreciate that, right? Third, I think again, very important point, which is to make sure that everybody's efforts are recognized and the results are rewarded. It's not always possible to reward efforts. But once the efforts are being recognized, people will make sure or people will try to go over and above their roles and responsibilities to achieve the right results, to achieve the team goals. It might mean probably sitting in the office for one hour more to make sure your project is completed on time. Because you're, that sort of creates, again, a very positive vibe amongst, amongst the team. Four fourth point, which I think uh, is more applicable to a more mid to a senior leadership level, is your involvement. In the decision making process now that could be decisions you're making for a team level or a functional level or for an organization level once you have a more involvement in that process you feel you're involved with the company you feel there's a stake here you feel whatever decisions are being made you have a stake and you're more invested and that really gives you an uplifting feeling that when organizing making these kind of decisions it takes my thought process into consideration that really builds up a strong workplace I mean, if these three or four factors are being taken into consideration, a good culture really develops. That really percolates to people managers, that really percolates to large teams, small teams, even one employee-manager uh, relationship really gets improved if some of these principles are practiced. Right? And I think in today's uh, very diverse kind of an organization, very diverse work culture, people need to be recognized, people need to understand that they are being heard. People need to trust that whatever uh, policies and policies are announced, they are being practiced. So I think that's really important.
1: Definitely. I must say, like, you have brought some great points. So, oh, to summarize whatever you have said, uh, definitely a positive workplace culture hinges on trust, open communication and of course criticism in private but of course the recognize recognition in public so that will be really appreciated it's a very small thing as you mentioned but of course if we'll look into such minute and small things then definitely we can create a positive work- workplace culture in our in any organization so
0: totally, totally.
1: even employee feels heard and supported and when it happens, definitely it contributes to a thriving culture. So the, those factors are crucial for the healthy workplace culture. So, yeah, we have talked about the workplace culture and the how the role has evolved over the years. I just wanted to, you know, move into the next question, which is diversity, equity and inclusion. And wanted to ask about some of the insights because it has becoming increasingly important in the workplace and we have discussed about the workplace culture so what do you think like how do companies integrate these principles into their strategies uh, for fostering a diverse and equitable workforce what is your insight on this
0: wonderful Rude, i think I, I really appreciate that question uh this was actually one of the first projects i did uh back in uh, 2014 as part of my internship so uh, i really enjoyed uh, hearing you ask this question uh, see diversity and inclusion uh, dni as we call used to call it uh, it's always about always about having the level of acceptance and commitment from the leadership right they they, they don't should they should not think of dni as just another tick box right they should agree to the principles of, uh, or or to improving diversity in the organization, to making a more inclusive organization at a workforce level, right? That commitment, if there's a genuine commitment at the leadership level, you get transferred to mid-level, to junior levels, at to managerial levels, where it actually matters, because yeah. diverse, uh, because that's where managers are the ones who are managing the most diverse workforce, right? It also helps. And if you ask about how do you convert a diversity principle, DNI principle, into a strategy, it always helps if there's a sponsor at a senior level, right? There's a, if there's a sponsor, if there's a champion who's who's uh, championing the cause, who always agrees to this cause, who's personally involved in this cause, and that having such a leader at a senior level really helps because they will help the agenda keep pushing on and onwards, right? Yeah. Uh, so, if I talk about uh, the India scenario, say inter- at an international level, you have multiple kinds of diversities that you practice, right? You look at multi-generational diversities, you look at LGBTQIA diversity, you have race-related diversity. Uh, in India, we predominantly focus on gender diversity and differently abled uh, community and that diversity into the organisation. Right. Uh, so there are there are obviously several steps, there are several methods or processes in there, but the key focus, the key focus area which really helps uh, be, again, become these uh, practices become a part of the organization strategy is having the right attitude, having the right commitment, right? Whether you talk about uh, the differently-abled community and their involvement or their making the organization inclusive for them, whether it be through in, uh, just the physical infrastructure. Right. whether you talk about dance, whether you talk about audio or video facilities or uh, whether you talk about gender diversity right in terms of uh, supporting women uh, from an early career to mid career and senior leadership phase right mm-hmm. It's always is important that you have a team which is there to really guide people managers. there, there has to be a sensitivity training. there has to be the right attitude sometimes which has to be guided and developed. Right? Because, as I said, most of diversity is being uh, managed at a manager level. A manager probably who has five members in the team, he has to know if I have a different label person in my team, right? if I have a uh, probably three-name employee in my team, how do I make sure that everybody is treated, everybody is giving the right uh, responsibilities uh, in the team, and how do I sustain that team? Right. Yeah. I will focus probably, uh, take a minute more, Probably speak about uh, gender diversity because that's something I've done a lot of research on during sure. my years as well, right? Yeah. So at most organizations, gender diversity is never a problem at hiring level. Right? Most organizations have a thirty to forty percent hiring uh, where they hire a female candidates, especially at an entry level. Right? Yeah. It's actually sustaining this uh, this ratio at a senior, mid, and senior level, which becomes a challenge, and that could, could be contributed to multiple reasons right but if you have a sustained focus if you make that an agenda you when uh, re- re- you plan to uh, support uh, women leaders by giving them again mentors by giving them uh, a sponsor to this program or you know keeping a special focus on how we want to develop those women leaders that is really really critical you hire obviously you try and hire uh, women at an entry level but sustaining them that really comes and i'll come down come back again to the point i made earlier right it has to be driven down by the leadership level it's all about leadership commitment to this agenda having the right sponsors and having the right sensitivity training and that really develops the entire a strong attitude in the organization which then supports an inclusive agenda yeah
1: definitely i must say like you have explained it really very well and that was some great points brought up by you. So I think like creating a company culture where diversity, equity, inclusion and belongingness is infused throughout is no longer nice to have, but but it's, of course, it's necessary for business success and employee affinity. Okay,
0: agree. Okay. And as I said, has to be, uh, the, it just does, it has to really come from uh, the heart, right? People don't have to, or people don't want to or should not think of it, DNI, as a tick box. That's
1: really critical. Yeah. So definitely now companies are even being more encouraged to think more holistically talking about DEI. So Mm -hmm. definitely it's increasingly important in the workplace. So like a journey worth taking indeed, I must say, as we have talked about so various kind of things. So finally, uh, let's talk about onboarding, a critical expect of bringing a new talent uh, mm-hmm. in the organization. So uh, what are some of the best practices for onboarding new employees and ensuring they quickly adapt to the company culture? Because, of course, technologies are coming into play and uh, there are many AI advancements. So definitely, there are many things which have been changing altogether. So what is your insight on this? If you could give some insights for our listeners, it would be very great.
0: Definitely. Again, this happens to be one of the areas that I have worked on extensively in my uh, career journey. Uh, I always believe onboarding starts right from the day you get the offer letter from the organization. And it carries on probably three to six months post you join it probably carries on till the time you actually get assimilated into the new organization
1: yeah
0: it's always about making sure your potential employee or your current employee is really comfortable with the company culture he's uh he feels himself to be a part of the team and part of the larger organization right yeah. uh if you talk about technology yes, technology definitely helps, but it's all about human intervention always about human intervention especially because uh onboarding or making somebody uh, a re-assimilation process has to be a human endeavor, right? Uh, I'll start by probably mentioning some of the practices that are being followed now for pre-onboarding, right? Pre-onboarding is when somebody has got their offer, but they have still not joined their organization, right? A lot of big companies are now using uh, technology tools like chat boxes, right? Chat boxes to simply respond to people's queries, right? Where's yeah. the office, for instance, or, you know, one of your Time, it's maybe people want to know what will happen on the first day, what kind of documents do I want to carry, and those queries are more more important for your junior to mid level employees because they're the more studious, right? They want to know what will happen on first day, who's my manager, who are the right kind of teams, and those are simple. This is where the online chatbot can really help a lot of time, uh, where you sort of have to just feed in some basic information and it can help solve the minimum, the all the queries with a very minimal fast, right. Yeah. One, another good thing uh, uh, that a lot of companies are now doing is some companies are trying to send in updates probably once a fortnight or probably once a month to, help, to let the incoming employee know that this yeah. is who we are and this is what we do, right? Yeah. Uh, it could be just about, uh, let's say there's a leadership town hall which is happening, it could be some about the latest technology update that the company has sent out, the, the latest product release, right? But then that sort of builds up the anticipation. Yeah of the incoming employee about the new organization right Mm -hmm. pre-onboarding has many other steps but i'll move on to what happens on your day one right and day one what really really helps is if you meet the right senior leaders of the organization probably the management probably the cxos if that's possible and it's best if you meet them in person Mm -hmm. Uh, so i've worked in uh, multiple organizations and when you meet the leadership on the first day, that really creates a lasting impact. They talk about what has what they what what has led them uh, this far on the career journey, right? They talk about what this company means to them, and that really helps set the agenda for you. You want to aspire to be them, and that's what leaders do. Both leaders aspire people to be like them, right? You want to see a leader. You get an understanding of the company, right? Yeah. Next which is again, really, really critical is having a formal or informal connect with the team. It could be over lunch, it could be over a coffee, right? Yeah. First day, first week, you're still settling, you're getting your laptop, you're getting your formalities done. You're settling into the team. Mm-hmm. Your team, or probably some member of your team, who introduces you to the office, who gives you a small tour of the office, Right. Yeah. And who shows you where are the breakout areas, where can you get your coffee, right? where can you find the facilities, where's the yeah. lunch area right? What all of these small human endeavors? I said again, uh, onboarding is all, the best important thing is the human endeavor. Yeah. Right? And that really helps. I mean, helping people, first of all, you meet the leaders on the first day, you understand what the company's principles are, and these leaders, their actions and behavior speak louder than words, right? Yeah. Next, you meet your team. Next, if you have a buddy assigned to you, probably somebody at your own age group, probably somebody couple of years, two, three years uh, older to you, but similar age group, who helps, yeah. who has similar, who's going through a similar life stage, right? So that they are able to best guide you about the organization, right? But that's one important thing, I think, in uh, terms of onboarding. And as I said, it's it's a long process. It right? could be three months, could be six months before you actually settle up into the company. Having the right manager, yeah. right? That's really, really critical yeah. because the right manager will make sure they set up, uh, they make the employee understand what is the right role and responsibility for them. Yeah. The right manager will help put up some goals uh, for the employee in uh, readiness. They'll probably talk about a three-month plan or a six-month plan or a 12-month plan. Yeah. They'll tell you these are the things you need to do. we will probably have a review six months down the line. we will probably have a discussion 12 months down the line. But when you're a new employee, you want to know what I, what should I do? And having that first chat with your boss, probably early in your career, really helps set up the expectations. It could be a simple, really expectation-setting chat, right? It could be as simple as what time does the boss gets in, and what time does you know what time, or how do you really communicate with your boss? Is text the best channel? Is WhatsApp the best channel to communicate, or is email the best channel? Right? It could be as simple as that. But having those expectations set is really important because that's how you, you know, that's how you gel well into your new team and in your new organization. I feel that those are the two, three steps, right? You have a strong, you you have a good human endeavor. You have to have that human connect to make sure you meet the leaders, you meet your team, you meet the right people manager, mm-hmm. or sorry, to, to meet the right manager for yourself, who help you settle out into the company. And I think Let that really help.
1: Definitely, I must say, uh, you have explained it really very well. And to summarize what you have said, I can just say that for employees to have a good onboarding process, uh, when you make them feel more connected with the organization in a short period of time is, I think, the great way. To have the good onboarding process, uh, whether it's meeting with the top leaders in the first day, or having formal connect with the team, or having the right manager, as you mentioned. So, yeah, uh, th- that are some of the great uh, or successful onboarding experience if we can inculcate it's, it's, those, those
0: practices. Really help. I mean. As I said, it's all about uh, having the right people connect in your first days because people are the ones who will help build up that experience in that organization for you, right? Technology helps, people help even better.
1: Exactly. So that makes a lot of sense. Uh, uh, Very well said, Adwitya. And I'm sure there's a lot of takeaway from the content you have shared today. So this brings us almost end of our conversation. Uh, but before we leave, can you tell our listeners where they can reach out to you?
0: Oh, definitely, definitely. So uh, uh, I uh, am active on my LinkedIn. Right, I, I connect with people on LinkedIn and discuss uh, formally and informally about people, about work and non-work related things on uh, on LinkedIn very often. Right, so that's very one Very valid way to uh, reach out to me. A second way to reach out to me would be uh, through my email, which I can share with uh, the host of the right? And I I think uh, I respond best on those two avenues. So any questions, any suggestions, uh, happy to be there. Happy to discuss and connect in for me.
1: That's great. And thank you, Adwin. It was really lovely hosting you today.
0: Same here. Riddhi, thank you so much. And I really enjoyed uh, having the conversation with you all the best uh, on uh, and i and i think springworks is doing an amazing job with this podcast so a great great uh, platform played for a free.
1: thank you so much for being here